This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That blows me away because it shows the mercy and the love of God. And it shows also, as we study God, shows partiality to no one. We always think only Christians, only, you know, the good people that go to church. No, God could, you know, have the rocks cry out, you know? All the creation testifies glory. You know, if he can't do it to children of Israel and do it to Christians, he'll have a way of, you know, sharing his love to the world. God can use anyone to further His kingdom and reach the lost. There is not one person who has had too much sin or is too far gone for God to use them in mighty ways. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will share with you how Rahab was used to share his love with the world, how she was looked down upon by society, and yet, she is still mentioned by name as someone who Jesus used. If God can use people like her, then who are we to say that He can't use us? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 2. As he continues his message, faith without works is dead. The question is, do we know God enough that we have a fear, a godly fear? That's why Proverbs says the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. So there's not a demon. There's an atheist. They believe the deity of God. They believe in the Trinity. They believe in his return. They believe in the existence of God so much so that they tremble. Even though they believe, however, they do not love God. They do not submit to God. And they're very disobedient, Right? So that's the difference. Plus, they're spirits. God did not die for spirits, okay? What happens to angels? The Bible doesn't say when God created them, but we know they're created beings. They're spirit angelic beings, but God didn't create the angels out of his image. Who did he create out of his glorious image? You and I, man. He died for man. He didn't die for angels, whether they're good angels or bad angels. The reality is, do you believe in God enough that you tremble? So he's putting this all in perspective that, yeah, you have faith, you believe in God. So the demons, they do. They, they tremble. But do you believe enough where there is evidence that you have faith in God? And that is by your works. Okay? Now, James is going to kick it up a notch. Let's look at verse 20. He says, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So a person who, who separates faith and works is one who is foolish. In other words, that person is hollow or empty-headed. Bottom line, what James is trying to say here in verses 14 to 20 is that faith without works is dead. We already know. We got it clear. There's not a faith unto salvation, but there's nothing we can do to be saved. It's Jesus done that work on the cross already to say that we have to do anything extra in addition to the cross, that's like a crime. That's like blasphemous, you know? 
It's just saying, Jesus, you didn't do the, you, you didn't do the job right. Or you didn't finish. He said, Telestai. He says, Telestai. It is finished. He didn't say, okay, I got us this far. You take it from here. The complete work of salvation, Christ has done. So we have faith in him, Christ dying for us. But now that faith continues on, and that's the faith that James is talking about. Faith without works is dead. Amen? Amen. Now let's look at verses 21 to 26. James is going to give us some great examples of some Old Testament saints who displayed great faith and works. And one is a Jew named Abraham. One is a Gentile female, a harlot named Rahab. Okay, let's look at the example he gives. He first begins with Abraham. Look at verse 21. He says, was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? So James takes us back to Genesis, in Genesis 22, uh, when the Lord told Abraham, Abraham, you know Isaac, your son, who's like 30 years old, don't ever think of that picture, if they ever paint little baby Jacob, you know. Yeah, yeah, Isaac, Isaac, and, and you know, we're talking about he's 30 years old. So you can see how some of the early, you know, believers in the Bible, they need therapy. Think about somebody tying you up and want to kill you. It's my father. He wants to kill me. But just think about that. And so Abraham waited 80 years to have a son. He had his son when he was 100 years old. His wife, Sarai, was 90. And after waiting all this year, God gave him a son. And the Lord said, you know that son you waited for almost 100 years? Well, yeah, I want you to go up to the Mount Moriah and just crucify him there. You know, just sacrifice him. And Abraham faithfully went up there. And then when he was, about, he was about to be tested, in Genesis 22, verse 2, it says, and he, speaking of the Lord, he said, take now your son, your only son, this is whom you love, the first time in the Bible the word only son, and love is mentioned in the Bible. And it brings you back to John 3.16, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. That's Calvary right there. So the Lord told Abraham to go to Mount Moriah. That's the same place, Calvary, where Christ was crucified later on. And it says, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will which I shall tell you. So Abraham goes up there, is faithful to do it, right? And just about when he's about to strike his son Isaac with the knife, look what, look what happened. The Lord comes in in Genesis 22, verses 11 to 12. It says, but the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So Abraham's obedience here shows that his faith was true, genuine faith because of his works, to be obedient to the Lord. Keep in mind that Abraham was justified years ago before Isaac. He was justified. So in other words, he, he had a belief, he had a faith in God. Okay, before this took place. Let's look at verses 22 and 23. He says, James writes, Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. 
No, you know, we've been renewed day by day as a believer. We've been tested. We've been tried. And that's how, you know, he continues on. And, and Abraham, faith was being perfected, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Can you imagine being called the friend of God? Verse 24, say, you see then that a man is justified by his work, not by faith only. Understand that he is now showing that he has a genuine faith because it's evident in his action, by his works. In, in chapter 15 of Genesis, he was made right with God. He was probably in his late 20s, maybe 30s. Okay, he was without a son. He waited almost 80 years to now have a son. But look what happened in Genesis uh, chapter 15, verse 6. This is when he was made righteous. And said, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord. That's why he's called the father of faith. Why is he called the father of faith? Yes. Because he believed. But it's something more interesting because Abraham believed without a Bible. This is before the Bible was written. We're talking about hundreds of years before Moses even began writing Genesis. You and I, we have a Bible. We have, every, we, need, we have everything in the Word of God to know about faith. Everything. Examples of faith. Faith doctrinally in, in, in every teaching of the Word of God. We have tapes. We have books. We have seminaries, cemeteries. Just kidding. We have, we, have, we have universities. We have Bible colleges. We have radio ministry. We have so many Bible studies, right? That teaches about faith. Abraham didn't have any of that. None of that. He didn't have what we have now. And yet we have a problem applying faith. That's why he's called the father of faith. He believed in the Lord. He believed so much because the Lord told him years ago before he had Isaac, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of the sky. He believed it. And it was accounted for him as righteous. He believed. We believe. And we stand right before God because we believe our faith in the cross. So we move forward. And now he's about to sacrifice his son. The Lord said, don't do it. But you know, I left with the, uh, the writer of Hebrews when he writes the Hall of Faith as we study in Hebrews chapter 11. He gives us a little more information that we don't, we don't see in Genesis. And because it's obviously clear, we can tell, but it's inspired word of God. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. The writer of Hebrews writes about Abraham. He said, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. So if he's going to kill him, how's that going to be fulfilled? But Abraham believed. Here it is, verse 19. Abraham concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received them in a figurative sense. So Abraham, when he was going to sacrifice Isaac, it wasn't like, oh, Yvay, it's my only son. I'm 100 years old. I'm gonna have another, I can't, we can't do this all over again. I can't find the remote, let alone, you know, have Sarah give birth to a child at this age. You know, and so think about that. He, that, that, wasn't his, that wasn't his attitude. That wasn't his view. He believed that if he went through with it, God would raise him up from the dead. Because what? He believed from the very beginning the covenant that God made with him. So the belief started when he actually, in his way of accepting the Lord, following the Lord, being right before God. It was accounted to him and 
to be as righteous because he believed in God in Genesis 15. He was tested in Genesis 22. We all have out Genesis 15. We all came to the cross. We all believe in God by faith. The question is, are we going to be able to show that faith as Abraham did in Genesis 22 when you're tested? That was Abraham. Now James gives us another great example of faith and works by a Gentile harlot by the name of Rahab. And I really love this one. In verse 25, it says, Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out another way. It brings us to the story in Joshua when the, the spies went out to, you know, spy out Jericho, and, and, and they ended up going to uh, Rahab's house. And, you know, she was a harlot. They didn't go there for that, but they went there. She believed in their God. This is a Gentile harlot who believed in God. This is what she said to the spies. Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, she says, For the Lord your God, here it is, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Wow. And I think maybe the spies probably got caught off guard the same way we got caught off guard when we read James says, You believe in the, in, in the Lord, so do the, the demons. Can you imagine the children of Israel say, We believe he's our God? And here comes a Gentile holler and say, Yeah, your God is God. I can only imagine how they felt. But think about it. It was accounted for her as righteousness also. And she goes on and she believed in God, risking her life in her family. She had a faith, a faith that worked and played a big part. So much so, and this is why I love the story of Rahab. Because Rahab was known as a Gentile harlot. But when you read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, you'll find that Rahab is in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That blows me away because it shows the mercy and the love of God. And it shows also, as we study, God shows partiality to no one. We always think only Christians, only, you know, the good people that go to church. No, God could, you know, have the rocks cry out, you know. All the creation testifies glory. You know, if he can't do it to children of Israel and do it to Christian, he'll have a way of, you know, sharing his love to the world. And here we have a woman that not only is she's in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because of her works, not only faith, she did something. She saved them. She covered them. She risked her life by protecting them and sent them on their way before they were, they were uh, the, 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 the troops came in to, to look for the f- spies But not only that, but also the rite of Hebrews. Remember, Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith with all the saints, godly men and women who made it through the hall of faith. And he takes us to to this, you know, if you go to the museum of the hall of faith, right? He takes us to this place where Rahab is there. And look what he has to say about Rahab. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. It said, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. By faith, by faith. That's all you see in Hebrews chapter 11. And so here James is letting us know this is faith and works. Faith and works. Faith doesn't stop at the cross. 
it continues on. We walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Anything aside from faith is, is a sin. Everything we do in faith. And so James brings this. And then and finally in verse 26, he says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, this is something we could relate to. You're, you're dead. Your soul departed from your body. So faith without works is dead. And that is the doctrine of faith and works. You understand? We know we're not, we, we can't do anything to get, be right with God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. But once we come to Christ and believing that the work he's done, he took my place in Calvary, I deserve to be on the cross. I was the one that sinned. I was the one that nailed them to the cross. It wasn't just the Romans 2,000 years ago. It wasn't just the religious leaders. It wasn't just a crowd that cried out, crucify him. I was a part of that crowd because he died for me. To say that I did not crucify Jesus, meaning he did not die for me. He died for every single one of us. And we believe that that work made us right with God. But we continue that work. And Jesus set the example. We have four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. To know how we ought to live as believers in Christ. To be Christ-like. And how we are to show the faith that we have in him in the works we do, now that we're saved, we've been born again. You understand? That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine so that men will see your good works so that God will be glorified. Amen? Amen. So I hope you take this home and really examine your life. Because it's important. You know, there's a lot of people playing church. There's a lot of people playing church. What is the fruit of your life? What is the works that you can show that, that shows that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? So why, quite often we play a lot of church and we just think, oh, it's one of those things that we do. You know, and then come Monday, it's the same day all over again. Same day, Tuesday, oh, yeah. we, we put so much emphasis in, on ourselves, our careers and everything, and God has put aside we have nothing to show for when we stand before God. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But I know that when he, when he says that, I know there's more to it. I want to meet the people that the Lord used me to bring them to the cross. Now, man can't save anyone. I want to, I want to go up there and, and take as many as I can with me. Because eternal damnation is real. When one dies, they either... To be in the presence of the Lord, absent the body, be present of the Lord, or eternal damnation. There's no between ground. There's no between ground. Your body, that's a shell. That stays there. But your, your soul is eternal. And so it's important for us as believers that we live a life that the works that we do because of our faith glorifies God and it profits everyone where people can say, wow, that person believes in Jesus Christ. Or they'll come to you later on and say, you know what, you may not know this, but because of the way you lived your life, and I watched you, and because of you, I gave my life to the Lord. My mother-in-law was a godly woman, godly woman. And I love her, not only because she loved me more than all of her son-in-laws more, <laughs> but she was a godly woman, my wife and I know 
a man who many years ago wasn't going to church, but because of her testimony as a godly woman, is now a pastor of a church. And he tells my wife, you know, it's because of your mother that I am now a Christian, and now I pastor a church. Why? It's not just faith, it's works. Did her faith profit? Yes. I wanted to profit so much more that even after I die, the fruit of it, people are coming to Jesus. There are great godly men and women that have died and long since been with the Lord, but the fruit of their ministry are leading people to Christ. And I can name a few. Billy Graham, Chuck Smith, Corey Ten Boom. Read their stories, their movies, and there is, it continues to this day minister. Can you imagine the works that continue on and they're not here anymore? That little dash when you were born, the date of birth and... The day you depart, you know, that little dash is important. Is there works? Or you just have faith? Works to the point where after the tombstone, you know, there are people saying, oh, that person, yeah, years ago, he's with the Lord now, or she's with the Lord now. If it wasn't for that person, I wouldn't be here. Can you imagine? So saints, listen, this is, this is hard. I tell you, the book of James is for real. And we need to examine ourselves. I encourage you. You know, I don't know what's your time of devotion. I hope you do have devotion. I hope you spend time with the Lord, right? Read this passage. Read it and pray. Just pray. You may know it. You may know it by heart. Read it anyway. And examine your life and say whether or not, you know, am I really just having faith without works? Is the works of my faith as a believer in Jesus Christ, is it profiting people? People around me are dying. But it's every two seconds some person dies. One, two, person just died. One, two, another person just died. Around the world, every two seconds. I think it's every two seconds, every two and a half seconds. It doesn't matter if it was three. People are dying every two seconds, three seconds. And are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? Now, obviously, they have to stand before the Lord. But the point is, your faith, is it profiting those coming to Christ? I don't want to go to heaven and say, oh, yeah, you did great. You have a great career. Yeah, you did good. You know, you have a house. You have all these things here. I'd rather go home. I'd rather go to heaven without anything, without degrees, without property, without anything, and know that there are thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands that are giving their lives to the Lord because it's all going to perish. And one day we're going to stand before the Lord. So we need to examine ourselves. This is true Christianity. This is real. The Lord minister to your heart. I pray from here on end. That's it. You're a different person from here on end to, to see whether or not you're bringing people to Jesus. You may have faith. You have this belief. But do you have the works to back it up? Is there fruit in your ministry? I'm the Word of God is a breath of fresh air, a crutch to lean on when you're too weak to stand and much, much more. Here on Running the Race, you'll hear teaching after teaching by Pastor Eddie that inspires and challenges your walk with Jesus. If you haven't heard that much about Jesus, make sure to contact us at Calvary Chapel of Milford via runningtheraceradio.com and we'll explain the message of salvation to you. Come be a part of the family of God and experience all that He has for you. I promise it will be beyond your wildest dreams. That website you want to go to now is runningtheraceradio.com. Just in case you missed it, 
That was runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Running the Race is a radio ministry coming to you straight from Calvary Chapel of Milford, where we desire to be changed to look like Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit. To learn more about us, go to our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. We're grateful you spend part of your day with us and pray you've been blessed by this broadcast of Running the Race.